Hey, Nazar. I'm so sorry, man. Will you do one last thing for me? Do you want me to do the... I'm Chris Evie, and you're listening to the Virtual Podcast? Yeah, would you? Yeah. I think you just did. I think I might have. starting over today. I want things to be different. I'm here at the trailer in Birchwood Podcast. In No, in Birchwood Trailer Park. You're in the podcast. I, wait, I'm in the podcast, but your ears are listening, I hope, to the podcast. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing with a friend. Thank you for visiting the Facebook page, Birchwood podcast on Facebook. You can have a look at the pictures and stories related to the show. This is a show. That's a that's a bold statement. <laughs> this is a show. Enjoy the show, everybody. Um, that This is the show that is my life. And um, I guess I just wanted to take a step back and, and kind of tell you that I want this show to be more positive. You know, I wanted to um, say good things try to stay away from uh, saying bad things. It's like a New Year's resolution, but not on New Year's. So, uh, my my self-resolution, self-imposed resolution is I wanted to be more positive and, and still keep just a dash of the, ah, fuck, what fresh hell is today going to bring? Um, you know, just to add a little spice. You need a little anger in your life. You need a little angry spice. You know what I mean? You got that? Do you get that anger? You know? So, stuff isn't working out the way you want it to. So you just got a little bit of grrr in ya. It's like, ah! You know, just to... You ever try to fix something or you're doing something? You're like, ah! And you power your way through it. You know, sometimes you need that in life. So, so anger uh, is a great emotion if it's kept in check. It, it can otherwise consume your entire life and make you very bitter of course the best way to enjoy life is is with the sweetness you want your life to be sweet so in my particular case i got the kids and leashy and and taz the dog and sparkle the dog and uh, and comedy you know i'm gonna start signing up for more open mics let me get back to the lab you know I had a great summer. We did some camping. Um, so, and now it's time to kind of refocus on what it is I want out of my life. I feel better about the comedy club. I was feeling down on it, you know. I just, I don't want to be the guy that's folding chairs and, and then hosting the show like some second-rate dinner party trick, you know. I want to do stand-up comedy. 
and I want to be valid and I want to be counted I, I want people to take notice that I have a skill that I've been honing for 20 years you know and uh, so I want I want to flex that muscle I mean I want to keep that going because I enjoy it I, I enjoy going into a room and making people laugh so I want to refocus on that a little bit and um, not worry about the club so much and there's some exciting things happening with the club that that, that uh, I can't tell you about but um, you'll see it unfold in the next year or so uh, big 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 plans with the comedy club so if you're in St. John New Brunswick we are Chuckles Comedy Club that's St. John's first comedy club in St. John New Brunswick Canada and uh, if you're a comedian out there reach out to us at jtowercomedy at gmail.com and uh, that's just a shout out to the comedians to let you know how to get booked it's jtowercomedy at gmail.com it's also on the website chucklescomedyclub.ca you can check out all the upcoming shows very exciting shows coming up James Mullinger is this weekend if you're, you're listening in St. John New Brunswick Canada that's tonight it's an exciting show, man, with uh, two headliners on the lineup. We've got uh, James Mullinger, of course, and uh, Fwa Weber, and we've got Corey Hartland, and then uh, we also have Rudy Windsor. So it's going to be a two, hour, two hours of uh, live professional stand-up comedy. It's going to be a great night, so come on out if you're in St. John, New Brunswick, Canada, to Chuckles Comedy Club. Uh, tonight and tomorrow night it's going to be really really fun so check it out what is the date today i gotta be looking now yeah it's friday august 23rd summer's winding down and uh, let me tell you about our final camping trip <laughs> this is really fun so we went out to a place called koi lake campground and I didn't know, because <laughs> I just Google stuff, right? And I'm like, I want to go somewhere different. I want to have a different experience. I don't want to go to the same campgrounds over and over again. So we went to this place called Koi Lake Campground. I Googled it. I was just like, you know, camping spots in New Brunswick. So check it out. Uh, Koi, Lake has, Koi Lake Campground has a swimming pool for the kids, which was key, and a playground um, for my smaller kid, Ella. And... Uh, yeah, I had uh, my 17-year-old son, Casey, uh, held at uh, gunpoint <laughs> to take him camping. I pretty much had to kidnap him. Um, and uh, we, we were going to have, a, we, you know, we set up. We, it started to rain on the way there, and I started to get tense, man. We uh, started to get tense because we are packing in a tent. I didn't mean to say tense. Um, yeah. So, uh, we, we set up this tent. It, actually, we're driving there, it starts to rain, I start to panic, and then it stops raining. And then, uh, then I set up the tent real quick and uh, cook supper. It's late, we're late getting there, you know. We're eating supper at like 7.30 at night. It was still good, man, but, you know, everything, we had to wait for things and, and it was, it was not good. Oh, so... I got to back up in the story. Why do I always tell stories like this? I like tell the main part of the story and then I'm like, oh, but I forgot a key thing. So when we were packing up to go camping, uh, the divorce mobile shit the bed. My 
lovely green 2000 Cavalier uh, wouldn't start. Uh, and God bless Lee, she man, she goes, I know what to do. And she grabs a hammer and she starts hitting the starter. That's a trick that actually works in a lot of cases, but in the case of the divorce mobile, she's tired. She needs a new starter. So I got all the camping gear in the divorce mobile. Uh, I call my boss. I ask him if we, we can use the work vehicle to take the camping gear because Leashy's car isn't big enough for all of us and all of our stuff. And he says no. And I'm like, of course, man, that was stupid to ask. And he goes, I'm just fucking with you, man. Ha ha, go ahead, have fun. So I was like, ah, god damn it. Uh, so he had me going. But um, anyway, we, we got everybody on the road and we got there late. Cooked, pitched the tent, went through the rain, panicked. And then it stopped raining. Had a wonderful campfire. I bought way too much firewood because I was really excited. And uh, we, we had some marshmallows and some s'mores. And uh, my kids went swimming in the pool. And, uh, you know, Alicia and I have a little little argument to start off the night. I think we are just hungry, you know. And you're trying to put a tent together. And then uh, <laughs> there was these uh, deaf campers beside us. And, like, I didn't know they were deaf. So I'm like walking to the bathroom and uh, I saw that they had a pop-up tent, man. You ever see those pop-up tents? Amazing, man. Oh, I loved it. They just, they fucking, they got this out of the, took it out of the bag and they just like, like did this little flick movement with their arm and it just poop, popped right up. Four-man tent. I was like, what? And I'm sitting here from the tent from the 1978 Canadian Tire Flyer. I'm like, man. It takes me like at least 15 minutes to set up my tent and they just like pop it up instantly. So I, I walk into the bathroom and I shout over to them. I'm like, man, I'm jealous of your tent. That was awesome, man. The pop-up thing. Oh, I'm so jealous. I got to get one. And then they didn't look at me or speak to me. And I was just like, huh. And then I started narrating out loud really ignorantly. I'm like, he said to no one because he speaks for no reason. And I just kept going to the bathroom like man those guys are assholes so i come back from the bathroom and i see them doing sign language to each other i'm like oh shit they're deaf <laughs> i'm such an asshole i am such an asshole why do i do that why do i put myself in these situations why do i say these things out loud before i take time to evaluate the situation properly because I just haven't grown up all the way yet. Anyway, and then some other old lady like was yelling at them because they were driving a little too fast. And the campground rules are you know could only drive 10 kilometers an hour through their little road that they have. This little horseshoe road with trailers and tents all around. And uh, yeah, she was like, slow down, what are you, deaf? And I was like, actually, they are deaf. And I was like defending the deaf people, trying to redeem myself. But it didn't work. I'm still a shit person. But whatevs. Whatevs. Um, yeah, that's you've, you've pretty much caught up with my life. I keep saying this is going to be the last podcast. There may be one more at the Birchwood trailer. It's, uh, it's bittersweet, man. It's bittersweet packing up your things, you know? We had, we had a... Look, this is the first place that we really considered our home. The first place we were just squatters, you know? That was um, my stepfather's house. And we weren't allowed to use both rooms. Like, it had two bedrooms. 
and I had to get bunk beds for the kids because we weren't allowed in one because it had all this antique stuff in it. We called it the Boone Museum because uh, my stepfather's last name is Boone. So we weren't allowed to go in there. It didn't really feel like home, you know, because like we moved in and there were already his father and mother's things in there, you know. But he was nice enough to let us stay there. We really, um, I mean, I had to have a place to go after the divorce. So it was really cool of him to let us stay there. And, but it never felt like home. And the Birchwood trailer is actually our first home, you know, as a family. Me, Lishi, and the kids and the dogs, that's... We, we made a life here, you know, it's it's been our home for the last year and a half, and, uh, you know, Lishi and I have lived together now for over two years, and a, a year of that was just not our home, and a year, year and a half or so has been, this has been our home, and we love it, you know, it's got old wood paneling like it was 1973, but we love that, you know, we like that it's weird and different. And kind of a jalopy house, you know. But it's got a wood paneling and like there's like this archway that separates the kitchen, dining room area from the living room. It's got a huge bedroom for us. Um, the only bad thing about the trailer is it's got two tiny little rooms for the kids. And so, you know, the new place, it's a, the bottom of a house. It's a three big bedrooms. A different layout, different feel, different neighborhood. You know, it's... It's not as good as far as like letting the dogs out. Like out here, we're on the end of a road and it's kind of like us in the woods and then the field, you know. There's a field here that we can let the dogs out. and It's just not going to be the same. It's we, Our dogs are going to be like city dogs now, kind of. Well, like it's still pretty rural. It's like a suburban neighborhood, you know, like a Monopoly board with decent sized lawns and whatever. But I did notice they have a fence in the backyard, so that's encouraging. I was like, what are we going to do with these dogs in a, in a, in a, in a suburban neighborhood? Because these are country dogs. They're just used to going in the woods and having that poop, you know? It's going to be a different experience for the dogs, too. Yeah, man. I don't know. Different changes. Changes in life, huh? Just constantly changing and evolving. That's what we're all doing, you know? We're growing a little older. Getting a little wiser, hopefully. Try not to repeat our mistakes. Trying to make life better. That's it, man. I don't know. I'm kind of out of steam. I've been working hard, you know. I've been working real hard. I've been moving every night, working every day. And uh, it, it feels good at the end of the day, you know. I can see that our pile of boxes is getting smaller. <laughs> the kids are like, why'd you take the couch so early? I'm like, sit on a chair and watch TV. I don't think they realize the gravity of the situation. Like, we are moving. We are leaving and vacating this premises. And we have to, by law, be gone on the 1st of September. Not by law. Well, I don't know. It's not like they're going to send the sheriff. But, uh, we're law-abiding citizens, and we pay our full rent, baby. Yeah, I always felt like shit. I mean, I'm 43, and I don't own a house. I always, like, feel like shit because I don't own a house. And everybody's so nice, you know, that I talk to about it. They're just like, 
ah, uh, you know, you, you own a house, you own the problems with the house, you know, if you rent, they got to fix it, the landlord's got to fix it, you know. And I guess everybody's renting because nobody buys a, a house outright cash, man. If you if you own a house, in quotation marks with my fingers, if you own the house, you really are just renting from the bank with your mortgage dog, so don't look down on us renters. I've been homeless, I've been a squatter, and I've been a renter. I've never been a homeowner. I'm excited to be a homeowner. I'm excited to be a homeowner. Yeah, man, I can be whatever I want in 2019. What are you going to say about it? Don't say nothing. Oh, man. I was looking at a picture of my friend, um, Samantha Penman. I've been thinking about Samantha lately, you know? My friend Samantha Penman uh, used to be Daniel Penman, a, a guy that I used to work with. Um, I used to work with this guy, man, a Scottish guy. Hilarious Scottish guy. So, so funny. Would make me laugh all the time. And uh, he used to be quite a ladies' man, you know? He was from Scotland, but he lived in Grimsby, Ontario. And the girls would say to him, because they'd hear a Scottish accent, Oh, where are you from? And he'd be like, I'm from Grimsby. And they would giggle. And often, like, would end up with Dan in one way or another, you know? Either for a short-term relationship or a little bit longer-term relationship. He was a ladies' man. And now he's a ladies' lady? Because I, I was on Facebook, man, I don't know, about five years ago. And uh, I saw Samantha Penman. And, and it stuck in my head. I'm like, why do I know that name? And uh, I just sent her a message, man. I, I, I DM'd her, you know. And I said, do you know Daniel Penman? And she was like, yeah, I, I was Daniel Penman. Now I'm Samantha Penman. I'm, I've transitioned. I'm, I was like, wow. That was heavy for me because it was the first... Um, trans transgender person I've ever known, you know, and it was good for me too, cause, cause Daniel was a good friend of mine. He had a big heart, and uh, and Samantha has a big heart, and I couldn't reconcile, couldn't justify, not being Samantha's friend. I'll, I'll tell you the truth, man. I I love Samantha, and I hope she's listening, and I hope she feels, uh. Like, I'll always be in her corner. Because I will, man. Well, man. Whatever you choose to be, Samantha, I'm in your corner, man. This world is rough, and, uh, you know, if you feel like you're a woman, you're a woman. I understand that, in a way, you know. I, I feel like I'm a comedian. I tell people I'm a comedian. It's hard to tell them that. You know, maybe it's not the same. It's probably not the same at all. I'm just trying to relate, you know. I'm just trying to love my friend. Whatever she decides. And uh, it's heartbreaking, man, because I read a story that she put on Facebook about people not accepting her and treating her badly, you know. Some of her family members didn't understand, but fuck them. You know, if, you, if somebody doesn't love and support you, they're not your family. Even if they are your blood, you know. 
family and blood they're just it's just genetics man there are people in my family that can go fuck themselves all day long now I'm gonna get a bunch of phone calls which one was it yeah it, it's it's fucking Uncle Susan it's Uncle Samuel that's who it is I don't have an Uncle Susan or Uncle Samuel I'm just saying man you choose your family. You choose the people you want to be around. Now it's 2019. Man, it's so fucked up to think about, though, isn't it? Back in the day, you should just get together with your cousins and aunts and uncles, and everybody said, that's what family is. No, nope, you can't choose your family. We just have to be miserable. <laughs> yeah, our uncle touches people. Our uncle touches kids in our family, but we just got to fucking accept that because that's just Uncle Terry. He's just a fucking toucher. No. Fuck Uncle Terry. You know? Throw him to the curb. I'm not going to come over and visit you and be judged by you because we share some genetics. No, I choose my family. You know? Yeah, I had a family member, like, stop communicating with me because I, I couldn't make it to his wedding. What kind of shit is that? You know? I'm not, I'm not going to say his name, but it, it's just... That shit is hurtful, you know? Like, I couldn't afford to go to the wedding. I couldn't fly to where he lived. I said that I would make the wedding, but I, I, I canceled in plenty of time. Like, a few months in advance. And still... Just stop talking to me. Well, fuck you, cousin. You're not my family. You're only my family if you want what's best for me and you love me. You know what I mean? And I don't give a fuck if I came out of your balls, daddy. I don't care if I came out of your womb, mommy. I don't care if we're first cousins three times removed. I don't give a fuck who you are. If you don't like me, bye. Because that's how you got to be in 2019, man. Oh, I don't know, man. Don't you just... Uh, if you're on social media at all, you're seeing the dark side of humanity. But as soon as you walk out the front door, people don't say that shit to your face, you know? I want them to take comments off of, off of social media. I don't think you should be able to comment without a name, address, and a place to meet. I don't think you should be able to comment. And I know I'm coming off of like a little bit hateful. But I just want to set the record straight, man. I, I I choose to be Samantha Penman's friend. You know? Samantha is my sister. You know? Because she's a cool person. And I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about that. So there, that's my rant for this week. I don't even know what it's all about, man. It's all about enjoying your life. And I can't wait for the things that are coming up. Look, I got that huge, huge show opening for James Mullinger, March 14th, 2020. And that's that's a big opportunity for me. I believe it's the 14th. It is March for sure. And I gotta be I gotta kill it, man. I'm gonna bring it. I'm stepping up to that plate, maybe for the last time, who knows? And I'm gonna swing that bat. And uh, it's either going to be uh, a terrible bomb 
or it's going to be a home run. Grand slam. I'm getting hitting the open mics. I'm pairing up the jokes. I'm going to get the set list out. I'm just going to scribble down here, Def Camper. That'll be my first new idea. I'll have to kind of lump in with, uh, I'm such an asshole and I'm trying to change routine. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm excited about life right now and I'm happy. And, uh, I was thinking about this, you know, it's really cool that I'm doing this podcast, you know, kind of just reporting in on my life every week. Not only because I'm a comedian and a father and electrician and so many different interesting things, but because my kids and my grandkids uh, are going to be able to hear this. And if you're listening, uh, my kids especially, yeah, fuck the grandkids. No, I'm just joking, grandbabies. I love you. But um, I don't know you yet. <laughs> but my kids, if my kids end up listening to this, man, I just, uh, I, I want them to know, obviously, I love them so much. And I hope that when they're listening to this and I'm gone in the grave, that they'll remember the time that they spent with me. And I hope that they know that I did my best. And I tried. And I, I made it a priority. I made them a priority. I'm getting all choked up talking to my kids in the future. <laughs> but, I, but I'm being sincere. Like, I think it's cool that I'm doing this because how cool would it be to hear your father or your grandfather daily reports or weekly reports, sorry, on their, on their life and what that was like. And we're 25 episodes in. And I think that's really cool. It's a cool thought. Anyway, that's shit that I think about. This is all shit that I think about. I should rename this segment Shit That I Think About with Shane Ogden. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy your weekend. It's August 23rd. Make the most out of what's left of your summer. And I don't know who my guest is this week. This seems to be a theme lately. I think it's Chris Hovey. But it could be Mark Splude or it could be a little dash of both. Who knows? Whatever it is, thank you for listening to Birchwood Podcast. We'll see you next Friday. Enjoy the interview. Shane Ogden. Chris Hovey. How are you now? Is now a bad time? Not at all. Oh, perfect. Thank you for taking time out to help me with my podcast. It's an honor to be invited. Um, nobody's ever said that, that before. Was, that was miserable. Um, Nobody ever said that before. <laughs> yeah. Hang up, call me again. Let's start over. Uh, is the car fixed, Shane? What? Is the car fixed? Um, no, it's an ongoing yeah. battle. Um, the car that I'm... See, oh my God. It's a long story. My old car doesn't work. It needs a starter. Oh. From from what I understand, the the, the divorce mobile, the famous, the the last running Chevrolet Cavalier in New Brunswick, uh, was running, and it and the starter crapped out. That's where what you were told me last night. That's where we had sort of ended on. Exactly. Yeah. 
So now, instead of paying two hundred and fifty dollars for a starter, sure, uh, which which is enough to total the car, by the way, <laughs> which would be the most valuable thing on the car if I did that, right? Um, what we're going to do now is we're looking at this other car and seeing if it's worth. It's a Grand Am. It's an 04, okay. and uh, it's in pretty good shape, better shape than the divorce mobile. And sure. uh, it's my boss that has this car, and I just asked him, how much do you want for it? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll work something out. So it sounds like I might huh. get a good deal on it, but okay. I do not know because he will not tell me. So now I'm just driving the company vehicle home and wondering... Yeah, actually, actually, I'm going to the salute man. show. Actually, you are going to the salute show. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Okay, right on. I called the girlfriend and disappointed her. Told her I wasn't coming home, and then uh, now that I'm feeling guilty for telling her that because she's now she's upset because so I'm not going to see her Friday or Saturday either because of chuckles. Right. And uh, yeah, so now <laughs> now I'm very unhappily going to the Mark's Blue Show, but I'm sure the I'm sure the Mark's Blue Show uh, will cheer me up. But this is this is beautiful, Shane. I mean, we, you've moved on from the divorce mobile. That part of your life is over. It's very symbolic, you know, to another car. This is this is great. It actually is. It's it's a new. It really new, is. It's it's the year of new beginnings for Shane Hawkins. Absolutely, new new place. A new place, new car. New car. Yeah. Things aren't necessarily better, just different. You know. <laughs> They're just different. <laughs> Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that's enough. Sometimes it is. You know. Uh, but I'm, funny. I, I, I know what you're going through. I mean, my parents had old cars when I was a kid for the first while. Yeah. And, like, just that anxiety. You know, I'm just holding a flashlight while Dad's trying to fix something, you know, because this thing needs to go tomorrow so we can get to work, right? Like, yeah. it's such an thing. It's just, it's a stress that... Oh, for I sure. Know, it's just a super intense stress. Oh, for sure. My kid's got to be sitting there going... Oh my God! Like, is Dad gonna make it? Like, is he, is he gonna get this thing going? Like, well, it's not like we live in a big bustling city where public transportation will take care of your, what you need, right? Like, especially where you're at, there's no yeah, you but have transportation, you don't have anything. I don't have the I don't have the luxury of taking public transportation in r- rural New Brunswick, right? That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not yeah, it's not like you have a lot of options otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. So. um we were talking about doing comedy together and we did, we have done a few shows under the yeah. best of New Brunswick banner, me, you, Glenn K. Amo, Mark Splude. Um, and, uh, that's it, right? That's, that was, that's who did it last time. Did Matt Richardson do it too? Matt Richardson hasn't made it out to one that I've been a part of yet. Yeah. And so I like, I guess the lesson that we're learning is Matt Richardson does not like us. Matt Richardson's huge fucking flake. <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll tell anybody that he's a he's a flake and he's a false promises and he's like sure I'll do this show. he is as a person yeah and oh, yeah. It doesn't show up yeah never shows up oh Matt Richardson we're gonna have to talk to you um yeah so and then uh, we're gonna do another show September twentieth that will be fun twentieth at St John Marina yeah get your tickets. At the uh, best yeah. in New Brunswick comedy tour at gmail.com. Send us a, an email and we'll happily sell you some tickets. Man, I think it's going to turn out pretty good because, I mean, we're on the you right know, track really here so. with 24 tickets sold already. Or 26. How many seats are in the room, Shane? 
Um, I've been discussing this with Hillary, and I think her banquet room holds up to like 250, something like that, maybe more. Okay. Wow. I've only got like 105 physical tickets printed, right? Sure. So, and, you know, well, I'm keeping track of uh, the e-transfers and stuff so far. Right. That's, so, that's going to feel like a very empty room if we don't uh, if we don't do a good job selling tickets. Well, we could do what they did at Club 54. You, you know Club 54 from TV? Yeah. From TV 30 years ago? Honestly, that was one of my first uh, first exposures to stand-up. Man, do you know that I performed in that club? No. Yes. Yes, Ben Guy introduced me, I swear to God. And uh, that, this is how old I am. And the microphone had a big fuzzy thing on it, like the old days. And the backdrop was the cityscape. And this is what they would do. If they sold 20 tickets, they would push the whole stage and wall right up close to the people. And the more tickets they sold, the further back the stage further back and the everything went. Wall. That's brilliant. I know. They actually did it right. I bombed, though, my first time there. No, really? Yeah, the bartender, she was this Bambi girl with big boobs. And uh, she goes like this. She goes, I thought comedians were supposed to be funny. And I snapped back. I thought tits were supposed to be real. There you go. <laughs> well done. Yeah, so, it, you know. I had to on after school, and it was old then. And that was, you know. But I went back. I went back to Club 54, and I, and I did well the second time. So did, did you make it onto the televised uh, segments? No, the TV was long gone by then. Oh, okay. But yeah, it was, a, it was a sadder 54 than a sadder Ben Guyot. Right on. Yeah. That guy's got money, you know. I imagine. He made a lot of money off of the backs of those comedians. He's, I think he sold, like, he sold it to a bunch of different networks. So, like, and also, like, in airplanes to Air Canada and different places, like, uh, okay, that's a he, smart method. He sold that around the world, yeah. He was smart. Do you think we can uh, we can sell our best New Brunswick tour shows to, I don't know, fucking Rogers? Diet, probably. The, the, Rod, the Rogers Channel 10? <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Um, so, I don't know you that well, other than from stand-up. We're always talking about stand-up. Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time around each other at shows and stuff, but not so much. You grew up in St. John? Outside of that. I did, yeah. Yeah, West Side. West Side. West Side. And now, how old are you? I am um, 26. You're what? 26. 26, oh, okay. 26. That's a good age. You're not, not bad. You're not super, super young, but you're not You're not old yet. You know, you're in, a, you're in the prime of your life, Chris Hovey. That's right. Awesome. Is and, um, as good as it's going to get? Uh, no, I think it'll get better for you. <laughs> You're a very talented um, comedian. Yeah, it's been a fun two years. I learned a lot about myself doing, uh, doing stand-up. I know that you have other interests and stuff. You like working on cars with your dad? Yeah, yeah. We've been uh, we've been into a truck project here for the past... She's close to a year now. Well, what kind of truck are you working on? Uh, it was my first vehicle that I purchased in high school. It's a 99 Ford Ranger, which is a stupid vehicle to put money into, but howsoever, here we are. <laughs> and uh, I took the small six-cylinder engine out, and I got a larger eight-cylinder engine from another Ford product. 
and we put that in there. Okay. It's a lot of work. Yeah. But it's been, you know, it's been multiple hours a week spent together, sort of moving toward a common goal, and it's been nice. Yeah, of course it would be, because uh, you guys, uh, you guys are close, you and your old man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. Awesome. Funny, I I started to drift. I mean, as everyone does, right? You enter high school. I'm sure you're going through it with Casey now, but you yeah. sort of get into your your teens and your instincts to pull away from your parents, right? And I I definitely went through that. And then I got the driver's license and I I bought the truck. And then all of a sudden, you know, I needed to talk to him because this was broken or that was broken or this doesn't sound right. Can we go for a drive? And you can tell me what you think. Or, you know, it became a kind of a conduit for us to communicate again. And it's just sort of stayed that way. It's been nice. That's absolutely amazing. I wish, uh, I wish me and my old man had that, you know, my stepdad, uh, we're just different people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But it's nice and, you know, a lot of people are a father way. and son that actually like each other. And you guys well, do like each other. Of any sort. Yeah, we do. We do. He's open. Uh, he hosted a show I did at the Art Center. And he's, I mean, he loves stand-up. He loves coming to see me do it. And he likes going to other, we went and saw Ron White there back in July. So stand-up was also something we sort of bonded over. And now that I'm involved in it, he's he's right there. He's coming to shows. He's asking questions about bits. He's floating me punchlines. He's... It's nice. We've got a couple things now that we're uh, pretty into together. So. That's amazing, man. And like I said, it's uh, like my, my father died when I was six, and then my stepfather took over when I was eight. And uh, we hated each other until I was about 25. And now we're buddies, and we laugh together and stuff. But it's like we never really formed that bond that you and your dad are forming right now. And so uh, it's really, it makes me happy that you have that in your life, man, because uh, I would love to have that, you know. And and your dad, um, he actually, he's done stand-up a couple times. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Uh, I did a show at the Earth Center last September, and he kept joking about hosting it. And finally, after the third or fourth time, I said, you know what, you're, you're in, you're hosting. Write some shit, because you're hosting. And he did really well with that crowd. Um there's a fair amount of family and friends there, but he did really well. And he's listened to a lot of stand-up, and he knew he knows sort of the cadence of it. He knew what he wanted to sound like. He knew, you know, how you sort of the pacing of your words for a for a setup and then a punchline, right? So it sounded good. And then I took him to Hell's Basement to uh, host another show I was doing, and they were just kind of they weren't quite uh, I don't know they weren't quite there for him. He did the same so, material, and he did, I thought he did pretty well, but they just weren't really there for him. But so He's got to experience a good show and a bomb. So so now he knows both sides of what his son <laughs> Exactly. But do you think that, do you think he'll try it again? Do you think that he's got the bug for it, or? I don't know. I think, I think having a not great show turned him off a little bit. I think he's weary of strange crabs. So I don't know if we were if I would ever get him out to the five and dime or laughter dark or no jokes fired or anything like that. Yeah, man. That's everybody's individual journey, isn't it? Just trying to figure yeah. out if it's if it's in you that you know, that that bug or that desire to sort of overcome that fear or to use that fear to push you and make you uh a better comic or if that's even what you're after, you know, some some people just one and done, you know, they try it out. They're like, no, not for me. And it'll be interesting to see whether your dad 
does it again. Did was there any part of you that felt embarrassed when he was performing? Not when he was performing. I was nervous beforehand that he was going to embarrass himself. You were just nervous, though. Get secondhand embarrassment from that. But uh, while he was performing, I was just—it was just really nice to see him getting laughs and, and doing well and enjoying himself and sort of. I think he always wanted to try it, but just never really had the opportunity or had the. I don't know, had the mindset to go out and try it. If nothing else, you can say he's done it a couple times, right? Like, he's like, yeah, yeah. you know that time I, I got up and I, I tried the scary thing and it, it went well. Or, actually, I recorded that whole show. Oh, wow. And the audio the audio wasn't great, but I took, um, I took everybody else's stuff out and edited his posting parts together. So it sounds like one 15-minute set. Wow. And then I sent it off and had it cut into a vinyl record. And that was my Christmas present for him last year, or Father's Day or something. Wow. But anyways, yeah. And so he's what got a, a souvenir. Record. He's got a literal record of himself. Your dad's got an album. Stand up. He's kind of got an album, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Super limited release. But, uh, yeah. He's got it. It's funny you say people either get the bug or they don't. I mean, there was. I did it the first time, was insanely nervous. I did, uh, I did Ken Bolton's stand and deliver class when he was still here. Yeah. Doing classes through the university. And uh, it was actually pretty cool. We all went out and did our first set together. That guy. Went to class, went out and did this. Did a, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> Everybody from that class went and did our first sets together. And uh, there was no way when I came off the stage that I wasn't doing it again. You knew. There, well, there was just no way. But I, I mean, it was it was incredible. I was never. It was the best, you know. It was fantastic. Wow. And even now, I'll go to like I think I was telling you in the portion of the show that may not get used, but if I go out and see other people perform and I'm not performing, but I see them perform and see them do well, that fires me up to get back on stage because they yeah. do well. I need to go out and and do well. I need to, you know, remind myself and everybody else that I can do this too. Yeah, man, I get I get a little amped up too when I see other people killing. I, you know, I don't know if it's like a jealousy or just like an envy or like just the fact that I know I can do it. You know, uh, I think that's more it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, you could call it you could call it inspiring, like you know, inspiration, right? I mean, anything that gets you moving, right? It's, you can you call can it that, inspired. you know. Yeah. Um, but I think I think if I'm honest, there's a little bit of jealousy of me when I see other people do really well at something that I love to do and I have done well in the past. But uh, I find that's kind of fading away. The older I get, the happier I am for people. If that's where it's coming from, that's good. As long as it's not coming from dispassion. Yeah, no, I, it never, it was never like, I never had it in my head, like screw that guy, you know? No, no. And I'm not, I'm not saying that either. I, I don't want to see other comics do poorly. Yeah, I, I mean, I I'm, I, I actually have a hard time watching guys bomb. I oh, I, worse. I might laugh out of nervousness or something for them, you know, like or just, you know, I might laugh and go, oh, I can tell that, you know, say for example, you know, Mark Splude bombs or something, which is very rare, but uh, maybe you know I'll laugh because I know he doesn't give a fuck, you know, like right. he he's up there, well, he knows there's like one person in the room or something. Just a second. There's also I'm a different order of yeah. coffee here. Can I get a medium, two cream, one sugar with a double cup, and two old-fashioned plain donuts? Let me just do 
Okay. She's going to check on my donuts. Why do we let Tim Hortons not have stuff? <laughs> Why do we everywhere let else, them? Everywhere else just has everything. You never go really? to McDonald's and you're like, hey, can I get a Big Mac? And they're like, I'm sorry, we don't, we don't have any more hamburgers. I know, right? Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you. I don't care. I just drive away when they say that's going to be. You go to Tim. You go to Tim. It doesn't matter. There's donuts missing. There's bagels missing. There's. I know, right? Sometimes they don't have any more hash browns. It's like fuck. Seven thirty in the morning. We get your shit together, Tim Horton. They just we and we just let it go. We're like, well, that's Timmy's. Man, did you see that video I made about Tim Horton's the new new cups? Me and everybody else apparently that shit kind of blew up, eh? It got like 60,000 views on Facebook. I put it on. That's absurd. I put it on YouTube. 77 views. Oh my god! I don't know the secret to going viral yet. It's Facebook. It's the way it gets shared around, right? Yeah, exactly. People see it, they relate to it, they share it. Someone else sees it, they relate to it, they share it. YouTube is something like people go and get their YouTube videos, and then they watch yeah. the Facebook. You're just scrolling through, and someone shared something, right? It's a different game altogether. But uh, sure. uh, yeah, I don't know why we let Tim Hortons away with that. You know, or, oh, you're out of. You're still allowed to not have stuff. One day they didn't have hot water. They didn't have any coffee yet. I was like, what the fuck? Close the doors. Yeah, you you got no coffee. You got no business, man. Jesus, remember where you came from. Yeah, exactly. So um, you're saying about watching people bomb though. There's a there's a huge difference between watching a comic that you know is competent and capable. You use Mark Splitt as an example. That's perfect. If he goes out and tries a new joke and it doesn't work, that's really funny to us. To the to other us, the yeah, room. because we but be, because we know he's he can do well, and we've exactly. seen him do well, and he'll do well again. But yeah. this one time he didn't do well, and that's kind of funny. It's someone who consistently doesn't do well, it's never fun to watch that person go up and you know. No, bomb it's again. heartbreaking, dude. You know, it's heartbreaking because you know I've I've watched people fucking bomb for six, seven years in a row and not even those people are not self-aware, you know, that it's usually like people that are, you know, they try, they're having some kind of maybe midlife crisis, or maybe they have some sort of like, maybe they're brand new young and they bomb, bomb, bomb and just keep bombing and just think they're doing okay. And like, it's, it's heartbreaking, man. Um, well, and I, and I always, I always fear like being that person, you know, right. and, uh, I like to be self-aware. That's why I always like am self-deprecating because I don't want anybody to think that I don't know my shortcomings. You know what I mean? Do you feel that way? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I do. And I feel if you're honest about your shortcomings with yourself and with others, then it's the first, I mean, you can work on them. Exactly. I don't, don't more... believe. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, if you don't believe you have any shortcomings, you can't work on them. Right. And other people will get uncomfortable if you come off and you go, see, you know, that joke's kind of weak. My timing was really going to cut this part. Or, or if you're honest with something about yourself personally, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm late a lot. I should really work on being earlier. People get really uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. If you're honest with them about your own shortcomings, they're like, oh, well, you know, what's not so bad? And it's like, no, no, I'm, it's okay. I just, you know, I'm acknowledging it. Exactly. Well, one more, one more thing about Tim Hortons I wanted to say was uh, whenever somebody says, it doesn't matter if it's, Tim Hortons or McDonald's or anywhere, any drive through They always say, uh, that order comes to, you know, 974. I'm like, okay. Like, I don't have cash. Like, I'm just going to pay whatever it is. The card. It doesn't matter. I'm yeah. Just, they, the they should just say, pull ahead and save us a lot of time. That order's going to be 343. Okay. 
I'll still give gonna, you my debit card. You're gonna, you're gonna contest it? What are you gonna? No, I think that's. Can you double check that? That seems high. <laughs> I'd like to actually knock that donut off. I'm having a yeah. Headache. I can't. Yeah, knock that donut. I can't. I'm gonna have to put this on a pan. Yeah, I got I got bills to pay. I can't. I guess it's nice. Do you have a layaway program? Can I lay away the Boston Green? <laughs> if I'm in this line, man, I'm going to have $3 to pay for this coffee. You're already committed. That's right. What do you uh, What do you think of um, Cannabis NB? Uh, I, I've never been in. Uh, my job is such that the test. And so... I do not enjoy that particular uh, particular luxury. I don't. I mean, I I I smoke marijuana occasionally, and I don't um, ever plan on going to cannabis NB. No. Um, I don't support it. I don't like how they did it. I don't like how they wanted to regulate it like they regulated alcohol. Um, you know, I just I don't. I don't like how impersonal it is. I think that for me, I take great joy in, um, you know, procuring my herbs from somebody that knows about it and genuinely knows about it and knows about the culture. And, you know, like I go to the illegal dispensaries. Um, So for me, it's, it's a better shopping experience when, you know, they're telling you about the pineapple kush and different strains and different things that it might do. Or, you know, if you're a lightweight, you might want to have the 10 milligram edibles and stuff. Now, edibles, I will say, I, I like those being controlled because, like, someone was telling me about having a homemade cookie and feeling like they were going to die. Their heart was pounding out of their chest. They seem scary. I've heard a lot of horror stories about them. Yeah. So, like, I got the uh, 10 milligram gummies and I got them from uh, uh, a legal dispensary. And uh, they have this amazing loophole where you actually buy stickers. And then, based on how many stickers you bought, they will gift you some marijuana products. So, so it's expensive stickers and free weed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, how okay. long do you think the government is going to allow this? Because this is a bullshit hippie loophole that they are not going to keep going for. Um, it's working right now. It's working for now, but mostly because the cops take a long time with paperwork and gathering information. But one day they're going to sure. kick down the doors for sure. But um, no, I just don't like the idea of the, the government regulating it. And, not, and it's so frustrating. They're not even making any money here in our province. It's crazy. That's wild, eh? That they reported a loss this year. Only New Brunswick could Only fuck New up Brunswick. selling drugs and not making money. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> My favorite one was in the North End, where they had a liquor store. They closed the liquor store, knocked down the liquor store, decided to open a cannabis MB, put up another building with the exact same dimensions as the liquor store that was <laughs> in there, yeah, and then opened it inside. Like. It's literally the exact same size as the old building. Yeah, no, it's the exact same footprint. <laughs> they probably used the same foundation. They had a perfectly good building. What are we doing, Chris? What are we doing? I don't know, Shane. I don't know. It's a weird world. So You, you know what, up... though? I, I got a great bit out of it. You did? I yeah, I did. 
You you got a you got a pretty big chunk on cannabis envy. Yeah, actually, uh, almost five minutes probably. When I think That's about awesome. it. Yeah. Hey man, wherever you get it from, right? Um, well, that's just it. Yeah. I, mean. I went I went camping the other day with my family, and um, I have the old school tent. I think did I tell you this story already? No. I have the old, the old school, school tent. tent. Just a tent. You got to put pegs in. You got to put the little sticks that fit together with the elastic. You know, and you got to split else them are they through. Doing now? Okay, so they have these new tents now. I seen two dudes. They're camping together. And uh, they got this, um, what they call a pop-up tent. So they take it out of the bag, and they literally do this flick motion with their wrist, and this tent pops up, this boom, this four-man tent just pops into formation, and then they just put four pegs in it, and that's it. It's called a pop-up tent. It's amazing, right? That's not Um, something Wiley Coyote had. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm looking over at them, right? I'm like, what is it? It's amazing. And my girlfriend's like, it's a pop-up tent, all this stuff. I'm like, oh, man, I, I just spent 45 minutes, fucking, you know, putting my tent together. So I'm walking, together, I'm, walking, it, yeah. Yeah, I'm walking to the campground bathroom, and I'm like, man, like, I'm really jealous of you guys. I got the old school tent. And uh, they didn't even look at me. And I'm like, I go, he said to no one because he talks for no reason. <laughs> like, I said it right bitterly like that. And I just kept walking to the bathroom like fucking assholes right Even i'm walking at the campground then i'm walking back and i tell my girlfriend this story and she goes babe they're deaf and i'm like yeah right she's like look at them i look over they're signing to each other and i'm like i'm an asshole why am i always the asshole <laughs> i mean it's, it's a victimless crime in this case i suppose they didn't know you were being shitty so yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. they were, uh, but I know, I know, and God knows that I was being shitty to them. The best thing in that story would have been had you flipped them off, and they had seen that, <laughs> and then that was all—that's the entire interaction from their point of view. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, it was quite an amazing camping trip. We actually—it was really close to uh, camp. Uh, what do you call that? Gagetown, where the army base is. And they decided okay. to do war games that night. We thought it was thunder. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Where were you camping? Is it called Koi Lake Campground. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was it was quite an exciting trip, man. We had a good time. We had we had fun. We made s'mores and the kids That's... got to swim and it was good. Camping in a tent is a is a good experience for your yourself and your relationship and your family. Yeah, you really get on each other's nerves. I was going to say, I just, I can't see that. I mean, I'd be coming back with a broken tent and hurt feelings and everything else, I'm sure. It's <laughs> not such a frustrating. No, it wasn't too bad. We get along. The kids had fun. and I mean, we, we, we were a little grouchy there because we arrived late um, because my car wouldn't start and everything. You know, like, we went through some shit, but... Once we got settled in, get the firewood going, burning and, and toasting marshmallows, and we set up the little cook stove, and I cooked steak and had beer. It was nice. It was a nice evening. It was so nice. It's what I, I wanted uh, all year, and I and I got to do it twice this summer because of oh, my schedule. Awesome. Yeah. My uh, my parents are travel trailer campers, but they're like seasonal lot travel trail travel trailer campers. Oh, nice. Did they go? So do I, they stay all week or? 
not normally unless we're on vacation or something, but uh, they, it's every weekend all summer. We did it when I was a kid too, but now I'll go up and visit them in Sussex and like, it's just, I mean, they might as well buy another house. There's satellite television, there's a deck, there's, you know, the lots, all landscapes, dad's been puttering all summer. It's That's a completely different experience from, you know, you better tell our and, you better tell our hubby he's uh glamping. I they've heard the term quite a bit actually. They they're starting to repurpose it now. They've they're sort of ta- they've taken back the the term. Now it's like a like yo what up glamper, you know, it's like a <laughs> You know what? I just make fun of glamping because I'm jealous. I would love all of the, all the things they have. Yeah, I mean it's could have gotten a cottage, I suppose. But you gotta enjoy it. You gotta camp in a tent for a lot of years and wake up in the rain and everything that comes with camping with a tent to really appreciate, you know, those travel trailers. Oh, absolutely. And you gotta work your way up too, right? You start with the tent and you get the the weird trailer with the top that comes up and the two tents pop out of the side, you know what I mean? Yeah, the the one of those little yeah, yeah, you gotta the, the old the right? old pop up. Travel yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like work your way up. Yeah, they're kind of a jack in the box thing. You got to crank them up. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like those. Maybe someday. So we looked at this new car. It looks like it's going to be good. My boss will not tell me how much it costs. So I'm filled with anxiety as always. So every way to do business. Yeah, he's just like, don't worry about it. I'm like, I am worried about it. Do you mean 500 or 5,000? Because that's going to matter to me. It's going to matter big time. And now are, are you beholden to him? Like, don't worry, we'll figure it out. Well, now are you like... Yes, exactly. I, mean, I, I would feel indebted, right? Oh, you can't work late? Oh, how's that car running? Yeah, oh. Well, get in that, that nice car you've got and drive home to your family, I suppose, since you're not working late. <laughs> yeah, this could be... I mean, this could be bad. So you're not an only child. I am not, no. You have a sister. No, I do have a sister. Okay, I'm sorry. That's uh, what? I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I know. I have a sister. She's a couple years younger than I am. What's it like um, being a sibling? I mean, growing up, we, we fought a lot. Different different genders. And uh, like I say, she's a little over two years younger than me. Which seemed like a big gap for a long time. Was now that annoying, having a younger sister to you? During certain parts of my life, yeah. Right, when you're a kid, it would you know, certainly be annoying. I'm like 13, 14. I want to ride BMX bikes with my friends and steal beer or whatever. And she, like, wants to tag along. You know what I mean? Like, it was a, it was a lot of that stuff for a while. But. Did your parents kind of expect you to be a third parent and, like, entertain her and stuff like that? Not really. No. There wasn't a lot of that. No. Well, they were pretty good, good that way. I think if there had been a bigger gap between us, age-wise, maybe. Yeah. But we were, you know, we were kids together. We were teens together. Now we're... My kids have a huge gap between them. My kids are 17 and 9. Right. And to me, it's amazing when I see them, like, hanging out together. Like, they'll, you know, Casey will be nice enough to play a card game with Ella, a board game. Or they'll play, like, you know, maybe some Mario racing or something. You know, like... It's it's always light, and it's never what Ella wants. You know, she wants to spend all the time she can with her big brother because she admires him. But he's like, you know, wants a he has a girlfriend, and he's a teenager, and plays saxophone. He's uh, plays rugby. You know, he's he's got a busy social life, and sure. 
all she has is uh, a desire to be with her big brother. So it's kind of sad. Because my my experience was so much different because we we are close in age. We were kind of at the same point in our life a lot of the time. So like when I was, I think in grade 12, she was in grade nine. So we were in the same high school, right? And like we had, there were people that knew us both. And like we'd go to different social things and we'd both go, right? Or or now like we're both adults. So like, I don't know, we'll just go get lunch. And we, we talk about things that we're dealing with. And it's the same stuff, right? Pretty well. But they're having, they have completely different lives. Yeah. I mean, nine and 17, they're not on the same page. No. All, right? No, not at all. So it'll be interesting watching the years go by and, and how that, I'm, I'm sure when they're older, they'll connect a little better, but um, that was not, that was not planned, you know, that was, sure. it, Casey was not planned and Ella was planned. And, um, and so we had this nine year gap between them. And uh, it really does warm my heart when I see them playing together and stuff. And, so when you grew up with your sister and hanging out, I mean, you're the same age, but then you had like probably more fighting than Casey and Ella because you're closer in age during those or times. Or stepping on each other's toes, right? And yeah. Trying to kind of occupy the same space. Yeah. Did you ever have to, did she have to, did she ever have to wear your hand-me-downs? No. 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 Yep. She, uh, she got away without that, uh, without having to deal with that. Yes, sir. So, what um what do you call your profession your day job what is that called uh is there a name for it well some jobs don't yeah. have a name i mean yes but it's it's a sort of oversimplification i guess um i'm on the books as a piping designer okay and my my joke for that is uh it's pretty easy cuz pipes are usually round <laughs> And that kills in a room full of engineers. I bet. They love that shit, yeah. But, so you're a bit of a, like you do some drafting, I suppose? Yeah, so I I started out, my position was, uh, I was drafting. And then, as I got more comfortable in the position, because I I got hired right at college. And so as I got a little more experience, I started to, the main... The main deal is we need a pipe that runs from A to B. And because it's an oil refinery, which has a lot of other pipes, it has to make its way around all that shit. Uh, so it was figure out a routing that doesn't hit anything else, order the material. Um, there's a bunch of specifications and stuff you stick to. I imagine electrical's got a lot of the same sort of stuff, right? Like you use a certain gauge of wire for a certain amount of amperage or whatever. It's the same thing. Depending on what's in the pipe, you use a different you know, the pipe's thicker or thinner or whatever. Yeah, different schedules of pipe. Absolutely. And ah, the, you didn't know that I knew that word, That you? was pretty good, yeah. I, I, I got gauge, you got schedule. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty good crossover. I've, and, ta- uh, I've talked to you Pied Pipers before. Uh, apparently. <laughs> and then uh, they moved me to a field position where now my job at the moment is uh, when the pipe that was designed by people that do my old job doesn't yeah. see it we got to fix it or something goes wrong or, you know, it's making sure that the actual construction of whatever's been designed goes smoothly. Awesome. And the biggest benefit of that is construction works four tens. So, Oh, that's beautiful. For the last couple of years, it's been Monday to Thursday and I've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, 
which is fantastic, especially because uh, a lot of the open mics in Fredericton are on Thursdays. Yep. And I don't need to worry about, you know, going up and coming back and then it's late and getting up in the morning for work or anything. I can sleep in an extra hour or two on Fridays. That's awesome. Yeah. It's good to have that. Because you love it stuff, right? You love you. I, love I, I, I really do. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a good writer, too. You have really well-written jokes. Some of them are really well-written, some of them, you know, and they're getting better. Um, I think the one I have about uh, the cannabis MB and the legalized prostitution is probably the best written joke I have from a technical standpoint. Um, I've got a couple others that do as well, but it's partially because I'm, like, I have to really perform them to get the same laugh. I feel like you and I are similar in one way, and that is we both make our family life a priority and our jobs a priority over our comedy. Um, but I can I can say for certain my heart is in both places. My heart is on stage and it's also with my family. Do you find that conflict ever in your heart you know as far constantly. as what really constantly and it's um like the the ultimate version of that is that i will probably never move to another city and chase any sort of professional comedy career because i know if i stay at my job and i stay in this city i'm I don't know. I'm around family. I'm financially secure. I don't need to worry about, you know, I've got like a bit of a life bill, right? And to, to move to a city that's more conducive to sort of chasing a comedy career, I would be giving that up or at least risking it. And I'm, I'm just not willing to do that. It is a hard thing, isn't it? It's heartbreaking. And as, mu- as much as I love it, I need to sort of resign myself to the fact that it's going to be mostly a hobby. It's heartbreaking. It isn't, it isn't. I mean, it is. But at the same time, I could just as easily move to Toronto and spin my wheels for three years and not get anywhere and find myself back here anyways. Or you could perform here and become so good at the thing that you love. It could mean that you, the right person sees the video, et cetera, right? Like this is a different world right now the world i came up in the world i came up in chris you had to get in front of the agents to see you then they would decide if they were gonna you know work out a deal some kind of development deal with you and, and all these things and i had friends that were picked off and went to los angeles and sat for three years because fox didn't want them to do anything else or whatever network was trying to develop them then uh, streaming video and Netflix and everything has changed the landscape so much. It's really hard to say what what you are going to do with your life, you know. But um, I've been wondering a lot lately if a career can be built from this city. Well, I don't think we have to wonder. I think we know a gentleman who's done it. That's true. That's true. I mean, once once your name's out there and people have half an idea who you are, you can tour from anywhere. I mean, Dave Chappelle is in Ohio, for Christ's sake. So you don't necessarily need to be in an epicenter, but 
it could be a little easier, I suppose, for a larger city, somewhere with more population, especially at this level. But I also feel like I haven't topped out. I feel like I have room to grow in this scene, too, in New Brunswick. Sure. I'm not I'm not at the highest level in New Brunswick yet, right? There's room for me to continue to grow and improve. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't think, uh, I don't think James Mullinger is at the highest level he can be, and he doesn't think so either. You know what I mean? Like, it's just everybody has their personal best. You know, it's almost like we're all a bunch of runners or weightlifters or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. Put that personal record. Which makes our egos fucking insane. And, oh, and, yeah. And our jealousy and our pettiness, you know, because... There's a bomb around the corner to put you back in your place, right? Yes, that's right. You know, we're all the same in that way. Um, and it's... There's a real camaraderie with comedians, you know? And I feel that um, with you and with other comedians, you know, like uh, maybe Arif and, and with Splood and, and different people that are around, even John Forward, you know, like someone that I don't really hang with in person, but I find I find his stand-up interesting and <clears throat> sometimes he kills and sometimes he bombs and all kinds of different things. And, you know, not just him, but like, I really like Chris Trotter and there's lots of people that I really like it. And, and it's like, it's interesting um, to see some people they'll, they'll take a break and then we'll come back and it's, Oh shit, I gotta go see whoever. Cause I haven't seen the new stand up in a while. Or, you know, how's so-and-so doing? I haven't seen them. Are they, are they, are they doing shows? Are they doing, you know what I mean? You're always kind of keeping track of, of what other people are up to. And it's interesting. I'm, I'm friends with people I might not have ever met aside from stand up. Like I, I wouldn't have bumped into RF in my regular life. No, we are we are a very diverse group of people, and you know, it, it, I feel like a kinship with stand-ups. You know, like there's a camaraderie there. You know, it's uh, it takes a real different kind of a person to get up in front of strangers and try and make them laugh, and uh, and to meet other people that are good at it. It's like really interesting and exchanging thoughts and ideas, and uh, oh, it's a hell of a thing to have in common. Yeah, it really is. You know, it really builds a bond, and uh, I'm glad I got to uh, know you a little bit better through this conversation. Yeah, for sure. You too. So um, let's let's do this again sometime, man. And anything you want to yes. mention? Anything you want to mention before we wrap it up? Uh, just if you're listening and you haven't bought your tickets to the Best New Brunswick Comedy Tour at the St. John Marina yet, don't know what your problem is, but you better hurry up. Um, I'm excited to do my middle spot at Chuckles Comedy Club, uh, September 27th and 28th. The headliner is Deborah Giovanni. I think that's going to be very cool. I'm really excited about that spot. And uh, to be asked to be the middle act was quite an honor, so I'm excited. And uh, other than that, just keep an eye out for me. That's Chris Hovey on all social media. And uh, one of St. John's best comedians. Uh, It's great talking to you, man. Great talking to you, Shane. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Family problems, it ain't easy handling those things. Baby mama drama, I just need a little time to go to sleep. Record company motherfuckers asking me when I'm gonna release And my homies on my back about me helping them get up off of them streets 
listen to me. It's kind of funny how they fall back on me. I used to never get a call back on me. Before the money, they didn't see me like it's dark. And it's all black, homie. But now they switching because the card black, homie. It wasn't always that way. We was recording on the full track, homie. A new apartment, no fridge, no mattress, no table, no cable. And all I hear is my girl in my ear. And this nigga easy asking for his car back, homie. I would have never saw this happening from that far back, homie. What it came to be, would have never believed. Living the life I lived in CPT. A fucking dream to reality. Is what you call that, homie? Yeah, it was something to me. No eat, no sleep, what nothing to me. Can't always be how you want it to be. And I'm the one that they looking up to. Fuck the expecting to me. It always was DJing parties in my neighborhood just for the love. Dope dealers over tipping and bitches stripping. Any minute niggas can start tripping and start shooting shit on any given day. I'm like, what the fuck? Face down on the pavement with the Billy Clubs. Took that feeling to the studio and queued it up. And that was fuck the police all up in the club. Now it's 91 and Snoop Dogg came to visit and was like, what up, cuz? Let me show you what this chronic like. Couldn't help myself, just had to dip into that chronic life. And then that night came in, when that nigga night came in. Whoa, this one of them dreams you don't wake up from. Then again, you don't sleep if you come from where I come from. But the sunshine and they bust nines. No nine plus one one when they run up on your school bus with a two truck, you might learn something. And it all falls back on me. Somehow it all falls back on me. No matter where we are, no matter what we doing, it's on me. If it was up to you, that's just the way it's always gonna be.